Well, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be here with you today. Um, I bring greetings from Wilmington, Delaware, um, where I'm a pastor and church planter there for Epiphany Church of Wilmington, Delaware. And um, it's just an honor for me anytime that I get to stand at this sacred desk and proclaim the, the words and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen for us. So I'm going to jump directly in. I want to give thanks for your pastor, Pastor Brandon Watts. I mean, he's, a, he's my big brother in the ministry. And um, I'm, I mean, I, I want to be like him. He's so cool and got those cool shirts and shoes. Like, I'm just trying to be like him when I grow up. Got that nice part in his hair now and stuff like that. Putting some goji berries in his hair and all that good stuff. So, man, I'm encouraged by Brooklyn. Man, I remember being at your guys' vision night just a few years, I mean, just a few years ago. Like, you guys were over on, on Tompkins Road, was that over there? Tompkins Avenue, man, and we were just out there, and you guys were just sort of forming, and to see and look out now and see you guys is very, very encouraging for my heart. So uh, I'm excited, and I'm, I'm thankful for my wife being here with me today. My sweet, sweet wife. Her old chocolate self. My old Reese's peanut butter cup. She's chocolate on the outside and sweet like peanut butter on the inside. Amen, somebody. I feel my help coming right now. Right now. I love you, baby. She's going to stab me. She will. So I'm going to jump right into this text. I'm going to be coming from Matthew chapter 15. And I'll begin reading in the 21st verse. Matthew chapter 15, in the 21st verse, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the text. The passage reads, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Somebody say, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. She wasn't even talking to them. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, severing the, the marrow from the bone. Father, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our hearts, into the marrow of our soul, Father, and that the words of my mouth, uh, Lord, would be pleasing in your sight, Father. And I pray for each and every one in this room, Lord, those that don't know you, I pray, God, that they might come to know you in the fellowship of your suffering, Father. And for those that know you, I pray that they will be encouraged 
by your word today, God. Step into my body and speak through my mouth, God, and, and think with my mind, Father, and communicate, Lord, through my heart. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. So there was a, a newspaper columnist and, and, and minister by the name of George Crane who, who tells a story of a wife who came into his office full of hatred. She was full of hatred towards her husband. And she says, I do not want to get rid of him. No, that's not enough. I want to get even with him. But before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. So Dr. Crane, he suggests this ingenious plan to the woman. He says, listen, go home and act like you really love your husband. She says, praise him for every one of his traits. Give him all kinds of accolades. Be generous to him. Be kind to him. Be loving to him. Make him all types of sandwiches when he asks for them. Give him a little something extra on the side, if y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, there's some grown folks in here. We could talk like that. But he says, go out of your way to be kind and considerate to him and make him believe that you actually love him. And when he's convinced, you drop it on him and let him know that you want a divorce. So the woman with stars in her eyes, she responds and says, that's, that's so beautiful and ingenious. He, he won't see it coming at all. So she left out of there and she went home and she did that with enthusiasm. She went and she acted like she loved her husband. Three months had gone by and Dr. Crane says, I haven't heard from this woman. Let me give her a call. So he calls her to contact her and says, are you ready to go forward with this devious plan of ours? And she said, never. I'll never do that. I, I love my husband now. She had discovered that her actions had actually changed her feelings. She discovered that she had actually really loved her husband and that love was actually indeed and not a thought. See, motion resulted in her emotion. And the ability to love was established not just by this fervent promise that she had made in front of a minister, but through the repeated works and acts and deeds that she would display towards her husband. And here in this passage, we see a mother. The scripture describes her as a Canaanite woman. The Canaanites were the ancient enemy of Israel, but this woman had come to Jesus. And she came to Jesus crying out to him, saying, Oh, Lord, son of David. Now, this is interesting for a Canaanite woman to use this title and these phrases of Jesus because she was not a Jew and she would not know to use these phrases unless she knew something about Jesus. And she says, son of David, my, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And she, she wanted to relieve her daughter's demonic oppression that she was facing. So in other words, this woman was standing in the midst of turmoil, but she knew to go to Jesus. So this woman who, who loved her daughter, she, she cared for her daughter. She, she went to, to, to see about Jesus to get some relief for her daughter. However, something strange happened when she got to Jesus. 
the all-loving, compassionate, kind king who would heal the sick and, and raise the dead and cast out demons and heal the leper. This Jesus, he ignored her. This king ignored her. The scripture says that he did not answer her a word. That answering there is for him to give a sentence against someone. When, when we don't hear from God, it always feels like we're being sentenced. Anybody know what that feels like? Anybody know when, when, you're, when you're in the midst of a, a trial and you're in the midst of a circumstance and you are crying out to Jesus and he's silent, it feels as if you are being judged by Jesus. I must have done something wrong. Like I, 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 I must have messed up. I must be in sin because if not, then Jesus would be answering me. You see, this, this woman, uh, she had a problem that she knew that could only be solved by crying out to Jesus. And the scripture says that he, he didn't answer her a word. And, and, that, and that's, the, that's the law, Gus. It says we go through these trials and we ultimately look, look for a word from the Lord. Often a lot of us come to church to hear a word from Jesus, right? Because we're going through and our week has been hellacious and we've been enduring lots of trials. And, and we get there and we want to hear from the Lord. And this is what this woman is here experiencing. Do you know what that feels like to be at your wit's end and to cry out to Jesus and to hear nothing? That silence can often feel like a sentencing for us. We go through these things and we, we let our feelings get the best of us, but not this woman. She decided that she was going to walk by faith and not her feelings, and I would title my, my passage today, this sermon today, would be that we walk by faith and not our feelings. We walk by faith and not our feelings. So then we see the, 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 next, the next portion of this is, is this is the second sort of interaction that she has here. So we see the woman, she, she gets completely and utterly ignored by Jesus, but she doesn't walk away defeated. It's like she, she knew something and wanted something greater that she, was, that she wasn't willing to let go of because of her feelings. But now we hear this. We hear the disciples jumping into uh, her rejection. We hear those disciples, those old raggedy disciples that were always with Jesus. We hear them saying to Jesus, Jesus, send her away. Send her away, Jesus, because she's, she's crying out after us. They weren't talking to her. She wasn't talking to them at all. She was talking to Jesus. So we see this, them saying to her, saying to Jesus, send her away, Jesus. She's, she's crying out after us. She's being all thirsty and stuff. Jesus like, get her out of here. And that crying out, they, they were saying it's like, it's like she's crowing at them. It's like, like a raven would crow, and you hear the raven, you hear it, and you go, caw, caw, caw. You uncomfortable yet? Yeah. So th those disciples, were they, they were at the point of frustration, and they were saying, Jesus, look, send her away. She's being extra thirsty. Like, she need a glass of Aquafina right now. You got to send her over there. Like, get her out of here. 
However, this woman, this, this mother who was from the ancient enemy of Jesus, the people, she, she, she didn't give up on going after Jesus. She knew that she needed something special and significant from Jesus, and she was willing to be viewed as a thirsty beggar in order to get what she needed from Jesus. How many of you are willing to be, to be viewed as, as a thirsty beggar in order to get what you need from Jesus? You see, the church looks like a thirsty beggar in the eyes of the world because we're constantly talking about this Jesus and we got to live our lives according to Jesus. And the world is looking at us and they're saying, Dad, they thirsty? What are they talking about? This Jesus, they never even seen this Jesus. But yet they rally together and they, they assemble together in these things called churches, right? And they get together and they, they talk and sing songs about this Jesus. They're out there looking thirsty, but we've got to be willing to look like thirsty beggars in order to get to Jesus. So we see this woman, she got offended, and she didn't run away, defeated. She got her feelings hurt. She didn't leave. She could have allowed her feelings, check this, to remove her from the presence of Jesus. We do that all the time. We let our feelings remove us from the presence of Jesus. But she had something on the inside of her that didn't allow her to give up on seeing her daughter being free from this bondage of oppression that she was facing. And many of us, listen to this, we wouldn't have passed the first test of Jesus ignoring us. And let alone, don't let people start talking about us. You see, we, we get bent all out of shape when we don't hear from God like we want to. We get all emotional. Check this when Jesus doesn't obey our commandments. We get all emotional with God when he doesn't follow our instructions. And then what do we do? What do we do next? We replace him. Exodus 32, 1, it says that when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, he was up on the mountain with God, and the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, listen, up, go up and make gods who shall be before us. When God doesn't do what we want him to do, we oftentimes replace him with other things and other gods. We often replace him with images of ourselves. That, that's what they actually are. Those idols are images of ourselves that we try to build up and bolster up to be gods. But they're just images of us. We go and we make idols and build up images to replace God. But ultimately, those things don't satisfy us. Listen, don't let people start calling us crazy. Because that's what they were doing. They were calling this woman crazy. And, you know, we, we're done at that point. We're completely finished. And you know what we do? We get rid of them, too. We say, I ain't going to church tomorrow because, you see, they was talking about me the other day. And they said something about me that I didn't like. So I'm not going to be there on Sunday. And they're not going to, listen, I know I got to serve with the children and stuff like that. But I'm not coming. That's what we do. Our feelings get so hurt that we can't function. Our feelings get so hurt that we can't even have faith in Jesus. But next thing we see, we see this woman. We see her as a confident castaway. You see, this woman was confident in her faith as one who could, who, who could as one, she was as confident as one could hope to be. 
She persevered through Jesus ignoring her and through people mocking her in order to reach the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. However, now we see this woman as a third time being a castaway. Jesus told this woman, he says, listen, I know your daughter is, is oppressed with a demon, but I've only been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus sends this woman away, telling her, listen, sweetheart, I know you're here for your daughter, but I don't have nothing for you. I'm only here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus is telling her, he, look, I'm here on a mission. I'm here. I'm sent. Jesus was sent, therefore we're sent out. That's why we plant churches. Because of the sentness of Jesus, he was sent. So we, we're sent. And he says to her, look, I, I'm sent to the, to, the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now remember that this was a Canaanite woman. And the Canaanites were the enemy of the house of Israel. How could this enemy of the house of Israel dare to ask the king of Israel for anything? Well, I'll tell you this. You can dare to ask when you have the right posture. Check this out. It says, it says this about the woman. He, after he tells her, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It says that. It says, but she came and knelt before Jesus. She came and she knelt before Jesus. This woman, she had the right posture before Jesus. That, that knelt or that kneeling is to, is to prostrate yourself in front of one. In other words, it's like to kiss the, the ring of the king in order to pay homage. This woman had the right posture. She, this, is, this, was like the, this was like a dog coming up and, and licking its master's hand because he knows that the dog, that the master provides for the dog and is going to feed him. If the dog just shows a little affection to the master, then he probably can get an extra snack. That's what this is like. And when you know your position, you can be confident even when you're a castaway. This woman was confident in her ability to be able to come to Jesus and, and, and get what she needed because she had the right posture. And you see, look, I want you to catch this. Some of us come, but we don't kneel. See, some of us come before Jesus and we're like, look, I'm here, Jesus, so go ahead and bless me. I'm here now, so, you know, you said don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. I'm here. I showed up. I did the minimum. I checked off the box, but we don't come and kneel before Jesus. We must have the right posture before Jesus, and our posture before Jesus ought to be worship. If your posture before Jesus is not worship of the king, you're self-worshiping. And I want to encourage you today to worship the king because he's worthy to be worshipped because of the work that he did on the cross of Calvary for us. That's why we worship him. That's why we kneel down before him and offer praise to him because he died in our place. So she's running, she's running up to Jesus. She's like, Jesus, she said, listen, I understand, but Lord, Lord, help me. She didn't care how her crying out was being perceived by others. 
She wanted, to, the, she wanted to run after the Savior. It didn't matter to her what people thought about her. She just needed to run to the Savior. See, this woman recognized that the blessing wasn't for her. She understood that. But she needed it and wanted it anyway. She knew that blessing wasn't for her. See, it says, Jesus tells us, I will sit to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Oftentimes, things don't seem like we can obtain them. They don't seem like they're for us. But we don't give up on things just because it doesn't look glamorous. We don't give up on things just because it doesn't look like it's going to work out for us. We don't give up in the midst, even in the midst of ridicule. It says faith has the power to, to, to do things that, that you can't do on your own. See, I know we live in a country where it doesn't look like we're able to obtain justice for certain people when our 15-year-old sons and daughters are being shot down and stuff like that. But the, the justice that we deserve is found in Jesus. And we can pursue after that and pursuing Jesus. See, and I don't want to paint the picture that I'm saying that, that feelings and emotions are bad. I spent a lot of years doing mental health therapy as a counselor and stuff like that. So I understand emotions and I understand people's, you know, connection to them. And they're God-given. They alert us to what's happening in our hearts. See, neither negative uh, neither positive feelings of joy and love or negative feelings of anger and frustration, check this out, neither of those should impact our walk with Jesus. Neither of those should impact our ability to, to be obedient to the word of God. So whether you're happy and feeling joyful, you ought to be obedient to Jesus. Whether you're feeling angry and upset, you should be obedient to Jesus. Neither of those has any bearing on whether or not you, your faithfulness to Jesus and his word. See, emotions, they're a great tool when they're used as our servants. But when they become our master, when they become our master, they have destructive power. You see, feelings draw us from focusing on the internal to focusing on the exterior. See, we look at our, our, our circumstances and our situation and, and, our, and our emotions draw us, draw us into that. But when we're walking by faith and not by our feelings, we can be in the midst of the most fiery trial. In fact, we can be standing in the furnace like the three Hebrew boys and burning, but then internally they had a resolve. And in that resolve, somebody showed up. In that resolve, Somebody showed up. And when we adhere to the word of God in the midst of our trials and circumstances, Jesus shows up. Feelings have the power to do all types of damage. You know, your feelings can actually make you physically sick. I mean, they can actually make you physically sick. If you don't submit those things to Jesus, you will be sick. And can I tell you this? That's what marks the Christian. 
That's what should mark the Christian is our joy in the midst of suffering, our joy in the midst of circumstances. You guys are going through First Peter. You should find that out, that your joy should be in the midst of your persecution and your suffering. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what's happening to you or around you. You ought to have a resolve to stand and have joy in Jesus. See, we, we, we can't give up on what God has called us to because even in our faithlessness, he's faithful to us. Even in our lack of ability to walk by faith, he is still faithful. We know that from 2 Timothy. And we, we know, that, know, th- know this, that your need for the Savior is greater than your need for not having your feelings be hurt. We don't want to talk about our hurt feelings. You know, people hurt our feelings all the time. Some of us get our feelings hurt over nothing. We just hurt. Like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> like, bro, what's going on? You all right? Yeah, man, I just, you know... Like, nah, bro, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, you're always hurting and struggling. Like, where's your joy? Where's your joy in the Lord? But see, this woman, her feelings would have led her to whining. But her faith led her to worshiping. You see... Our feelings, will they'll make us whiny and complain, but our faith will lead us to worship Jesus in the midst of what we're going through. So we walk by faith and not by our feelings. So then we see, listen, we see one more time this woman, she's going through the ringer. I mean, she got ignored by Jesus. Then she got mocked by those disciples. And then Jesus told her, listen, I ain't got nothing for you. Go ahead over there. Look, I got to tell you this. Personally, I don't like being ignored. You can do a lot of things to me. Just try not to ignore me, please. Um, and, I, and I really don't like when people mock me. But, you know, then to tell me that I don't have a right to be asking for what I'm asking for because the thing that I'm asking for doesn't belong to me. But then she, she got to this and she didn't, get caught up in her feelings, but here's what comes next. Let's say you're able to endure those first three, right? Those first three things, those emotional attacks. Certainly what comes next was enough to take out even the most faithful of us. And I'll submit to say that this stuff is even some fighting words. Like, you say this stuff to me like, you might catch these hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, listen, I love Jesus. But you, you're not going to say it to me. You might catch some hand. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus says this to her. He says, listen, woman, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So Jesus is using this, this word that was frequently used by the Jews to insult the Gentiles by calling them dogs which is the ancient sort of, in ancient Palestine, they, they weren't like our little foo-foo dogs that y'all have a lot of here in New York. Like, me and my wife was riding around like, Dad, where's a real dog? Like, <laughs> people got all these little tiny dogs that they could hold, like, it's tough, it's like they purse. I'm like, Dad, where the, whoa, 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 like, where are those dogs at? Like, like, 
Philly a real dog. But those dogs in ancient Palestine, they were wild dogs. They were often wild homeless scavengers. And this was the word that the Jews used of the Canaanites. They called them dogs. But Jesus here, he uses a form of the word that suggests a more affectionate term for domestic pets. But Jesus, he isn't insulting this woman as much as he is testing her faith. When you feel insulted by God, I want you to take a, take, take a second and think, is God testing me? What's the trial that I need to, to overcome here? Is he trying to teach me about my pride? Is he trying to, trying to talk to me about, my, about patience? Is he trying to talk to me about my faith, joy? Am I loving people well? Is this why this is happening to me? We need to consider what's going on from God when we're in the midst of this stuff. Listen, it says... And in the midst of this, I love this. The woman, she does not demand to be seen as a child. She only demands to be seen as a blessed dog. That's good to me. That's good to me. See, this woman, see, she accepted Jesus' description of her, and she asked for mercy in spite of it. She said, okay, Jesus, I'll take that. I'll be one of the little dogs, but even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And see, listen, even perhaps because of this description, she asks for mercy. She responds to Jesus with a rendered resolve that would shake the corridors of history forever. It says that this woman would be a woman of great faith. So she responds to Jesus in this resolve, and it says, look, I'll take the little crumbs that fall from the table. In other words, I'll take the little morsels that come underneath the table. See, the little dog, well, this little dog, this woman was resolved to receive just a morsel from Jesus. She was resolved to receive just a morsel from Jesus. And if, if we would get that down in our spirit, even a little tiny bit from Jesus is good enough to sustain us throughout our trials and our struggling and our circumstances. Even a little crumb will sustain us if that crumb is from Jesus' table. It says even the crumbs fall. From the master's table, they descend from a higher place to a lower place. So she knew that the blessing that she was looking for wasn't going to come from man, that it could only come from above. And if we continue to just focus and think that we can receive what we need here on this earth, we're going to be mistaken and sadly confused. The only thing that we need, everything that we need comes from above. Ephesians tells us that, that every spiritual blessing, it comes from above. So we need to understand this, that even the crumbs from the table are good enough because they descend from a higher place. And Jesus responds to this woman. He says, oh, woman, great is your faith. This faith is the conviction of truth, of the truth of anything. And Jesus, listen, Jesus only bestowed this accolade towards two people in the scriptures, and both of them were Gentiles. Both of them were people who, who, who according to the religious folks, they didn't deserve to receive that title. And according to, 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 the, to the religious and the, and the governmental status of the day, they weren't worthy to receive that title and that status. But Jesus bestows this accolade on two Gentiles. And this is the only time he bestows it here on this woman. He says, woman, great is your faith. 
be it done to you as you desire. Jesus is essentially telling her, look, whatever you're resolved or determined or whatever you intend to have, it's going to be done to you. She had a resolve like Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 who was wrestling with, with the angel and, he, and he's wrestling and he says, but, but Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Her faith was tested and she did not falter. Jesus said to her, great is your faith. And Jesus doesn't, he, does, he, does, he, he doesn't bestow this on anyone. I told you that already, but listen. This is real good. I want to talk to the lady. She says, listen, your house might be in turmoil right now. You might be experiencing some things in your life that you didn't see coming. Some things might be coming up and, and just smacking you off the track. But be like this woman who didn't care what her circumstance was. She knew that she was going to walk by faith. And the scripture doesn't say anything about a man in a house. But it says that she came there for her daughter. See, this is important for us to know that this woman was there not for herself. She was there as an intercessor for someone else. See, see she, it, it's important for us to know that she was persistent enough to get there and get what she needed, but not for her, for someone else. How many of us are going to the throne of Jesus to cry out for someone else? How many of us are, are petitioning the, the, the throne of God for someone else? Or, or will our prayers just build up our kingdom? Will our prayers just build us up? Or will the world be changed as a result of your prayers? That's the question we have to ask ourselves here. And I love this Charles Spurgeon. He's a great theologian. He says this. He says, herein. This woman reads us all a lesson. If we have no answer to our pleading, do not give up, but go nearer to the cross. If you have no answer for your pleading, if you have no answer for your crying and your circumstance, don't give up. Go nearer to the cross. And you see, most of us, we... We need to stop just, just giving up and rendering uh, our feelings and, and, and our resolve to fight for what God has. Uh, you see, the, the definition of faith is that, is that we fight. We actually fight for the thing that God has promised to us. We actually fight for the thing that, that we believe that God wants to do in our lives. And, and it may not feel like it, but I, I, I'm going to tell you to keep on fighting. You may not feel like it, but keep on fighting for that marriage that doesn't seem like it's going to work out. Keep on fighting for that child that don't seem like they're going to act right. It may not seem like it, but keep on fighting for that relationship that doesn't seem like it's going to benefit you anything. Now, keep on fighting. And God has called us to this. See, faith is believing. Check this in the word of God, and acting on it no matter how you feel because God promises a good result. Yeah. That's a quote. Don't let your hurt feelings cause you to haul your fight away. See, we'll get in our feelings or in our feels, whatever people say up here, I don't know what they say. People get in their feels, and they just haul away their fight. They just give up. And you see them, and they look weak and dejected, like, man, like, where, where's your fight? 
What happened to it? Where's your faith? Don't give up on that. Don't let your hurt feelings hold that stuff away. We've got to walk by faith and not by our feelings. I'm going to close with this. Martin Luther, the great reformer and theologian, he he was also a, a songwriter. He wrote this. It says, feelings come and feelings go. And feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Naught else is worth believing. Maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you're having a hard time getting over your feelings and allowing your life to be marked by faith. I want to urge you to look at this woman's life, this former enemy of God's people, put aside her feelings because she decided to have faith in the one that she knew to call Lord and Messiah. And let me encourage you in Jesus this morning to have faith in him and not your feelings because your feelings will falter. Your feelings will fail you. But your faith in Jesus will never fail you. I don't care what it looks like. Your faith in Jesus will never fail you. I don't care what it feels like. Your faith in Jesus will never fail you. I don't care what people are saying around you. Your faith in Jesus will never fail you. I don't care if people are ignoring you, if they're mocking you. I don't care if they're telling you you can't have this. I don't care if they're telling you to get away from me. Your faith in Jesus will not fail you. So therefore, we walk by faith and not our feelings. Father, thank you for your word, Father. God, I pray, God, that we would be resolved, Father, to walk by faith and not our feelings, Father. Let us use our feelings for what they're intended for. But God, may we not get caught up in our feelings. We may not get caught up And feeling like you're not with us because you promised us that mother and father might forsake us. But you would never leave us or forsake us. And Father, I pray, God, for those under the sound of my voice that may be going through a fiery trial right now, Father. I pray that you would remind them, God, of your presence with them, Father. Even when they can't hear you speaking, you're still present with them, Father. Even when they can't see uh, the light on the horizon, you're still present with them, Father. God, continue to remind us of your love. Continue to remind us of your faithfulness to us, Father, and may we ever be resolved to walk by faith and not our feelings. In Jesus' name, amen.